And here we go. There's a man open left side. Caught. Touchdown. Yes. Ten. Five. Touchdown. Ah! Yeah. It's touchdown at 10 with Russell and Medhurst. 301-230-0980 at Russellmania 621 at Pete Medhurst. Great conversation with Maryland head coach Mike Loxley. They take on Purdue Saturday at noon. You'll hear it right here on the Team 980. Make sure you lock it in Saturday. Good day, local college football, that's for sure. I'll be over at Annapolis for Navy and Tulsa at 3.30. Can't wait for that one after being on the road for a couple of weeks as uh, we'll have a home game coming up on Saturday. Going to finish up in here what we talked about the first two segments as yesterday. And, you know, when whenever lawyers get involved and we know, look, Dan Snyder's never been one with his legal team and PR people to sit back and take uh, this type of public testimony that shows him in a, you know, in a damning way, uh, for lack of a better term. And he's publicly been willing to defend himself, uh, whether through PR, whether through lawyers. And that's what he has done here with his side uh, putting out a statement. And of course, you know, as we said, you know, before we talked to Coach Loxley, it's like, you know, yes way, no way, yes way, because Congress put out their own statement and everything uh, to retort that, talking about how they won't, quote, be intimidated uh, by Dan and his legal team putting out the statement that they did. But again, if I'm Dan, you know, they had Dan for 10 hours. If they don't have enough after talking to Dan for 10 hours and – what they have already done talking to others who are potentially involved in this. You know, at some point, just like with Beth Wilkinson, we were just like, when's this going to be over? Now with Mary Jo White, when is her investigation going to be over? Now Congress, when is their investigation going to be over? It just never ends. Everybody's investigating, but nobody's getting any end result. That's the, that's the irony here is we got a lot of people asking questions. But we got nobody given any answers that really amount to anything right now. Even if you give answers, though, do we know that that's the truthful answer? That Do we know that that's the right answer? Do we know that that's not an attempt to evade, dodge, what have you? I mean, the House Oversight Committee said, could say, and and I mean, they've made all sorts of statements here. I, I, don't, I don't do a lot of statements on the radio because... It's boring. I can let the Twitterati do that. Uh, you do make a lot of statements on the radio. Well, I make my own statements, but I don't I don't like to necessarily read a lot of statements mm-hmm. and just have that be like, oh, hey, that's it. That's the truth. That's I like to interpret. I like to opinionize, what have you, analyze, whatever. Okay. It's not to say that I'll never read a statement. I'm just saying I'm not going to read the House oversight response. I guess what I'm where I'm going with this is they could say, no, no, no. This is not for political gain. This is because you continue to evade, dodge, whatever. His lawyers could say, well, wait a second. We've offered this person and that person and this person and that person, and you've refused to talk to them because Congress then turns around and looks at it as like, why would I talk to that person who is clearly being sent to me to sing the praises of Dan and T? Why would I talk to that person and waste my time, their time, and anybody's time when 
they're literally being paid, sent, buttered, whatever, on a roll to just throw bouquets of flowers. Let, let me give you an example, okay? All right, here's where I was going with this before we were joined by Coach Loxley. Great interview, by the way. If you want to uh, listen on Rewind, I think we asked him some interesting questions. Uh, and uh, you probably got a little bit more deeper into the layer of just, you know, a football coach. Whatever. Uh, go check it out, Odyssey Rewind, Team 980. So here's where I wanted to bring this up to you. So Dan, you know, of course, did his spiel on the yacht in Israel for 11 hours, whatever it was. We haven't heard exactly whatever we told you. Here's what the lawyer said last night, Tom Davis. In in probably one of the most, you know, you think I Barry Horowitz myself? Oh, my God, that guy Barry Horowitz himself for like a page out of four. Uh, I did this, and I did that, and I brought down baseball, and I along. Oh, if I was getting I, paid, yeah. if I was getting paid what these guys were getting paid per billing hour, yeah. I'd bury Horowitz uh, myself okay. too. All right. Okay, fair. Uh, so here's what Tom Davis told the the House Oversight Committee, Carolyn Maloney. Remarkably, however, as he uh, in um, oh. Remarkably, however, as he informed the committee at his deposition, Mr. Snyder has preserved personal calendars for over 15 years ago, from over 15 years ago. A review of those calendars reveals no event even resembling the event described by Ms. Johnston. Tellingly, the committee has shown no interest in obtaining and reviewing that evidence. But then, okay, in addition to that, uh, where's uh, where is this quote? He said, oh, here, here's the part. Quote, he did not recall ever meeting Miss Johnston and certainly did not recall ever dining with her. End quote. So what we're to believe, if Tom Davis is right, is that Dan, a guy that is sitting on a $5 billion entity who has screwed up a million things over the 23 years that he's owned the team, maintains personal calendars, presumably written calendars, memoir, not memoirs, but, but written calendars, I guess, of where he needs to be and where what he's doing and whatever. Well, I mean, remember, he doesn't have email, right? Supposedly. Um, so supposedly nothing of the sort resembles what Tiffany Johnston accused and what Jason Friedman uh, corroborated uh, to the House Oversight Committee based on on testimony and whatever reports, if I have that all right. So number one, event did not happen. OK, um, the calendar reveals no event, no event, even resembling the event. Described by Miss Johnson. Now, listen, I'm not going to sit here as a matter of semantics and be like, oh, uh, if, if if there was an event with Tiffany Johnston, it would have been uh, hang out with Tiffany Johnston at eight o'clock at at at, uh, you know, such and fill in the blank charity event, have dinner with her and grab and fondle her leg. <laughs> I mean, like, that's not going to be on the damn calendar. So are we to believe? But he's saying he wasn't at any type of an event 
where he could have been in position right. to right. And do the, the and things that have been and, accused. And apparently the calendar has no corroboration of any sort of possible cross event or what have you. Now, is it possible that it just he didn't write it on the calendar? Possible. Is it possible that, and here's what I want to question or at least wonder about. Remember how Barry Bonds and Mike McGuire and Sammy Suser and Roger Clemens uh, said, you know, I, I never knowingly took steroids. I never knowingly did this. I never knowingly did that. And that's been a common, like, like if I did it, I, I'm not saying I didn't do it. I didn't know that I was doing it. Right, that's been a common ref- like phrasing of hey, I'm not telling you I didn't do it. I'm telling you I didn't know that I was doing what I'm accused of. So when he says he did not recall ever me- he he did not recall ever meeting Miss Johnston and certainly did not recall ever dining with her. Is that the same thing as I didn't knowingly take steroids in my ass. And I know that's not half a dozen. I don't know about you, but if I get poked by a needle in my butt, I'm going to remember that. What if you didn't know that you were, what was being injected into your tuchus? Somebody's sticking a needle in my butt. I, 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 I've got to know why somebody's sticking a needle in my butt. Okay, come on. Hey, I'm going to walk by Chris and I'm just going to stick a needle right in his ass. Boom. Is that after you plunge a knife into someone's back in the stairwell? Absolutely. I'm all about sharp objects. Oh, hell, objects. you tried to do that to me a couple of months ago. I'm, when, all, uh, I'm, all, about, I'm all about sharp objects. Remember that, remember that promo that we had? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. I mean, Chris, come on. Oh, that was if the barbed some, wire yeah, that he would hit. It, the barbed wire back. Yeah, yeah. If somebody is sticking a needle in your butt. You're not just letting somebody do that. Hey, we're going to stick needles in our tuchus today. Of, of course, Pete. That's my point, is the the way they were instructed by their lawyers to answer that is, I'm not telling you I didn't take steroids. I'm telling you I did not knowingly take steroids. Somebody, But why, why else would I let some, somebody another man get, stick a needle oh, in oh, my well, ass? Well, maybe it wasn't the sticking the needle in, in the ass part. Maybe it was the pill. Maybe it was the cream. Well, you, you get my point. I didn't knowingly take steroids, hey, break like the law, take something lotion? illegal. Would you just rub it on your biceps? No, It'll give you soft skin Pete, and you'll hit home what I, runs. What I'm, try, what I'm trying to get at is the lawyer is not saying Dan Snyder definitively has never met Tiffany Johnston, has never been in her presence, has never been at a social function, not a private one-on-one dinner. Nobody accused him of being at a private one-on-one dinner with Tiffany Johnston. He is not saying... And therefore, Dan is not saying that this definitively never happened. I did not recall, or he did not recall. He did not recall. Well, guess what? That's nope. probably, and, I, and I'm sure the lawyer is saying it that way, because that's probably what Dan told Congress when it's, asked specifically exactly. about. Which does isn't the same. My point being is, he, I, I, I didn't, I, you told me something yesterday. I don't recall it. You know, like, I don't recall a lot of things. That doesn't mean that I didn't get told it. That doesn't mean I didn't do it. I, I don't recall. I don't recall what I had for dinner last night. Doesn't mean I didn't eat. 
<laughs> you, you see what I'm getting at? I see the semantics that you're bringing to the table. Here's the ultimate thing, Chris, and this is this is why the world we live in and the structure must be respected here. The prosecution has the burden of proof to prove that either Dan Snyder is telling the truth or that Dan Snyder, more importantly, is potentially lying here in this situation. That Tiffany Johnston and anyone else that has testified about malfeasance involving Mr. Snyder specifically, because remember, that's what we're going after now, because Dan has admitted, Dan has already given them the, quote, frat house culture that was mentioned in the report under Bruce Allen, and that Bruce was, as alleged here, the henchman in charge of all of that. Okay? Now we're trying to simply find out, was Dan Snyder specifically involved in any of this malfeasance, which went to a higher level? Right. You know, with alleged touching of people inappropriately, as has been accused by others here. Ultimately, the prosecution has the burden of proof. Dan gave them 11 hours of testimony. I'm sure they asked him questions in 75 different ways trying to get Dan to say, you know, whether he had been involved in any physical altercations with maybe not just Miss Johnston, but with other people. We don't know what other accusations there might be behind the scenes. Dan has given them, Dan has admitted about the culture. We know that. We know that. He's given them that. In, a, if, in a statement. But it's an admittance. And presumably then if under testimony. If you give a statement to police, it's an admittance of guilt. Okay? Correct. So it can stand up in a court of law. Correct. And Dan has, Dan has gotten rid of Bruce, who was the alleged henchman. All, a lot of other executives, whether forced out or willingly, have you, as you have documented, yep. have left the organization. Because there are people right now that do not want to be associated right. with what many perceive to be a dumpster fire. And well, I, th- I think the people that have left in the last year and a half are not the people that are accused of doing unsavory things. No question. I mean, there's different tiers. Either different way, levels. Chris, right now, if you're a ticket salesperson, mm-hmm. you can't make any money because you can't hard sell to. any tickets. Hard to. If you're selling sponsorships, it's hard right now because there are a lot of companies that do not want to be involved with this product right now, as evidenced by one of the largest advertisers in sports history, Anheuser-Busch, taking its product and going home. Okay? So you've got a lot of people leaving because they can't make any money, especially if they're involved in sales. They can't make any money because a lot of them are commission-based. You can't make any money if you're not selling anything right now. And that is where the integrity of the product has hampered its ability to maximize its full receipts Right now, from a financial standpoint, and that is the only chance you have of the NFL saying, hey, we're not getting our bang for our buck out of entity number 32 right now, because every one of these NFL teams is a commodity. Okay, because of the revenue sharing and the way it is, it's not like it's just 32 independent franchises. You do what you do and, you know, you either make money or you don't make money. Everybody's involved. The Dallas Cowboys being worth $8 billion is worth a lot of money to all 31 teams because of the revenue sharing. Every time somebody goes out and buys a Micah Parsons jersey, everybody else in the NFL goes, yeah, cha-ching. Okay? 
That's why they were getting mad at the five franchises they put on notice last year about lack of ticket sales, lack of merchandise sales, saying, hey, you got to pick your product up a little bit here. And ultimately, that's the price that Washington is paying right now because they're not anywhere close to maximizing the receipts that you can as an NFL team. So it's either right, the, but who the suffers league, for that? Either not Dan Snyder necessarily. He's, I mean, he just gets less. He still makes money. He just makes less yeah, money. Yeah. Okay. But instead of only he makes only fifty million dollars a year net instead of hundred and fifty million dollars a year net. Now that's a significant disparity. But I mean, it's not like he can't put food on on the table of Lady S. If I'm Dan. And my lawyers, I mean, I know Dan loves to vigorously defend himself. The only thing, I my, if I'm Dan, I tell my lawyers to say right now, I gave you 11 hours of testimony. Either put up or shut up. If you got something on me, bring it forward. If you don't, leave me alone. What if this was a preemptive strike because he thinks they have something on him? Hey, then he will pay the price. Well, but he thinks it's a witch hunt. But if they he got, thinks it's an unfair investigation. That Chris, that's that's fine. If I'm if I'm if I'm vigorously trying to defend myself, yeah. I'm going to say anything I can I to I, make myself look good. I would if also, I would got, also, but Chris, if they've got something, it's over. Okay, I would also point out that while Tom Davis wants every Tom, Dick, and Harry to be interviewed, that we send over, you know, like in the limo, in Dan's limo, in Dan's town car over to uh, Capitol Hill to get interviewed to tell you how bad of a person Bruce is and how great of a person Dan and T are and how great the culture is. They did, again, to be fair to the House Oversight Committee, Pete, they were relentless, and they did whatever they had to do to get 11 hours of testimony from Dan Snyder directly, under oath. It wasn't on camera. We haven't still seen the transcripts. Oath. It was still under oath. So, so it's it had to be truthful or so there's an even bigger penalty to pay down Tom, the road. Tom Davis could talk about, again, every every yuts that they want to send over to talk to the House Oversight Committee to be a character person on behalf of Dan and T. They talked to Dan for 11 hours. They refused to take a no for an answer. They were relentless in that pursuit. Which is does, admirable. Does that not count if for something? Hey, if we're trying to get to the bottom of a significant allegation about workplace culture, then, I look, I applaud Congress for pursuing it, okay? It's hard to pin Dan down. But you know what? Dan Dan sat there for 11, 11 hours and took their, took their questions. Obviously, we don't know whether, you know, he did it in a hostile way or a willing way. You know, sometimes when you watch court, you know, you get a hostile witness up there or whatever. Either way, Dan gave him 11 hours under oath. If I'm his lawyers right now, I just simply say, hey, my client gave you 11 hours. If you got something, bring it to the forefront. And if they've got something that is, you know, that sticks and it looks bad for Dan and Dan ends up selling, he's the one in the end that will will walk away even more shameful uh, then some paint the picture of him right now. But all of these accusations are just accusations until somebody comes forward and has that, quote, smoking gun that 
you know, puts all of this testimony from Dan, uh, you know, to shame. And the fact that he's sitting up there defending himself. And you know what? What happens if they do release the report at some point, Chris? And there's just nothing of significance in it. Possible. All of the grandstanding, all of the accusations, all of that, you know, it's like, it's like, I look at the, the, remember the movie, The Great White Hype? I mean, the, 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 the Irish Terry Conklin, you know, goes in, everybody, his, everybody's got their hopes pinned on him and, and an out of shape champ with a big belly sticking out. It didn't take him seriously, still knocks him out. Okay. He falls to the canvas, flags go down. Everybody goes, oh, well, if they release the report and there's nothing there, if Dan continues on as the owner, where do we where do we go all of a sudden? All of that fades away. We go back to where we were before. We we still look at an owner that spent an enormous amount of resources. Think about the amount of resources Dan has spent, not only in his football operation, but now defending himself vigorously. It's probably like twenty million dollars a year, if not more. It, it, it's an, it's got to be an insane amount of billable hours uh, that's happened. But at that point, Dan's going to come back look with receipts. Dan and his legal people are going to come back with receipts, okay, and they're gonna they're gonna want to get their uh, you know skin out of the game, likely at that point. I hope they don't. I hope they're just willing to say, "Look, we understand there was a, a bad culture here. We're willing to move on and 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 move forward because that's what Jason Wright has said. That's what Ron Rivera has said as the two quote public faces of, of the franchise, but." Again, if I'm if I'm Dan's lawyers right now, I simply say I gave you 11 hours. It's time for you to put up or shut up at this point. Because the one thing that we we all want Dan's side really to shut up uh, at this point because it just looks like a it looks like a couple of kids bickering on the playground at this point, which is not good for anybody. It's not solving anything and it's certainly not helping this franchise move forward, which is what Jason and Ron wanted to do. How do they move forward on the football field? Maybe there's a step of that coming up this week. We'll examine that next on Touchdown at 10 right here on the Team 980 in the Odyssey app. Hard to imagine that a, a human being can be shot and within weeks, you know, not only physically okay, but even mentally okay to move on with life. And what Brian Robinson Jr. is going through is extraordinary. You wouldn't wish that on any human being. If you could, if you could sit down with him every day and just to ask him if is he okay just to make sure that um you know each day goes by uh things are getting better and better uh for him because of that trauma that he went through uh on an extraordinary level chris it's 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 quite possible we see him in a football uniform this week playing for this team and i know there's a certain other part of it that hey maybe this is the distraction that he needs to continue moving forward uh, with this. Because this is something that will stay with him for the rest of his life. But at the same time, 
what an extraordinary inspiration yep. to others based on what he is accomplishing right now. Now, the video that I saw, I don't know if you saw any of the video. I mean, he looked spry. He looked like he was running around pretty good, what have you. Um, Good side-to-side agility. Again, that's not a, that's not practice practice. That's not team drills or anything. I think Rivera said uh, maybe he did about uh, 15 reps or something like that. I heard a soundbite, and here's the direct quote because I didn't tell Matt about this before. My my bad, so I'm just going to have to read the quote. It was good to have him out there. He looked solid. I mean, he has a little bit of ways to go. Conditioning will be a question. That's for sure. But just watching him, his retention, his recall looked pretty good. We did some of the things that he does well. He was out there doing them. It looked good. It was all promising. When I heard Ron say it, and again, I try not to overinterpret like some people do. Every literal word, every figurative word, whatever. It didn't sound like Ron was absolutely sure in his mind that Robinson was going to play this Sunday. I, well, also, look, I, I, Ron doesn't want to give away. That's I, I don't fair. think Ron wants Tennessee, you know, wondering. That's fair. Because then they're, I mean, they're obviously, I'm sure, investing some sure. time in going back and looking what how they ran Brian in preseason so sure. they can be ready for those concepts. You know what Brian does really, really good? Everything. Uh, Randy Jordan told me this because I asked <laughs> Randy Jordan about this specifically in June. He likes to run that left kind of outside zone off like in between the left tackle and the left guard, which if there's a strength of this offensive line, when it comes to run blocking, when it comes to yes. overall operation, Leno, that's it. Leno and, Leno and Norwell over there have been yeah. very good on the run. Yeah. Uh, we saw that with you know Williams yeah. getting out there uh, this past week. And in preseason, you saw Brian going left uh, a well, little that, bit. That's what I'm talking and, about. And having that yeah. success. So um, that's... That's the part to me, and that's why we asked the question the way we did yesterday, is when you get a healthy Brian Robinson, and again, this is like making a trade midseason without giving up any assets, you know, especially if you get him for this week. You know, you're, you're getting him, uh, you know, as an asset. This is an asset to your football team. This isn't depth. Mm-hmm. This isn't a John Ridgeway. Right. You know, this isn't Donovan Jeter. Correct. This is an impact player. That you're acquiring without giving up any assets. Correct. You know, here in week number five, whether he contributes five carries, ten carries, whatever, his his body's going to tell him how far he can go uh, coming up on Saturday. Just like eventually getting Chase Young back is going to be like getting a piece without giving up any assets, whether it's three or four weeks from now, eventually, if you get him. I think that... I still think that is in question as to how far away he really is. But Robinson is a guy, Chris, there's no question. We don't know if Chase Young's going to have a great impact. We know Brian Robinson's going to have an impact. Yeah, here's the thing. I think he'll ultimately play this Sunday. Do you think he'll ultimately play this Sunday? Before I go into my reasoning and how to use him. Yes, this is I just think, a guess. This is I just think a, I think there will be some usage. Okay, might be four or five carries, maybe nothing more than that. But yes, I think we're going to get a, a little taste of Brian Robinson. Jr. So here's here's my next the next part of that. Sounds like we're both in concert with that very limited role, right? Ron's saying, hey, we don't know what kind of exact shape he's in, right? There's a difference between. Well, and we don't riding know. the bike and 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 the treadmill and getting, and getting and, hit and getting hit and football okay. and whatever yeah. and being, I think. I think. 
what they try to do to jazz up this offense with Brian back, assuming that he plays, maybe they have Jonathan Williams as more of a primary type running back, which is what I wondered about to start the year replacing Brian Robinson. You're maybe, you know, what do you have last week? Uh, Six carries, seven carries, whatever it was. Maybe where he plays more of a primary running back type role. Brian Robinson perhaps plays a short yardage goal line type of role. And that frees up, like we said yesterday, Antonio Gibson to not only be a kick returner, but to be primarily used as a wide receiver whether it's in the slot or whether it's spread out wide, because it doesn't look like they're going to have Jahan Dotson. That's not definite. I, he missed practice yesterday, but he probably won't practice today. He's probably not going to be available on Sunday. There's been enough people saying one to two weeks, meaning yeah. as we've well, talked said, about, right, as that. we've said, you, you can't expect the, right. that short turnaround of the Thursday right. game. Give him the time he needs with the hamstring Because you get that extra 10 days between Chicago and the following game, so. Well, right. So if he misses Tennessee and Chicago, that gives him, what, I guess three weeks Essentially three weeks. Right, three weeks off. Okay. Uh, In between games, basically, not in between practices, because obviously he would have to practice when they return after Chicago. But, but like, if I outlined a package or an alignment like that, Jonathan Williams as my sort of primary back. Now, I'm going to have to have four backs active in this case. J.D. McKissick has his role third down, you know, primary receiving back. Antonio Gibson, but again, Antonio Gibson is essentially now, in my opinion, uh, in the way I see it, taking on the, the, the active roster spot, game day spot of Jahan Dotson as a receiver, and also it allows you to kick Dax Milne to the curb because well, no, nobody needs it, him active. Here's what happens. With Brian Robinson coming back, and, you know, God bless him, hopefully, hopefully he stays healthy, Antonio Gibson becomes the poor man's Debo Samuel on this team. Yeah, yeah. He becomes a poor man's Debo Samuel. It's not the worst thing in the world no. for him to be. No, Debo not at just all. got paid. He can still have an imp- <laughs> he can still have a great impact right. on this team. Right. Um so so again, does that make sense to you? Antonio is the kick returner and like you can line him up in the slot, you can line him up outside. You do not you you, you don't really ever have to line him up in the backfield. Scott can make him a matchup nightmare exactly. man. Exactly. You can motion him, you can motion him from the backfield, you can motion him from the slot. You can do whatever you want. But you, you don't can... even have to line him up in the backfield if you don't no, want to, I, I right? Understand. No, qu- I, I no mean, question. I, like to me, and it's not even a numbers game because this team does not want to have more than three running backs active on their game day. I guess it's forty-eight. Think about Jet sweeping him. Yeah, but 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 I guess my point is is if Jahan Dotson is out, you don't have to worry about Antonio Gibson being like a fourth running back or or Jonathan Williams being a fourth running back. You're gonna have Jonathan Williams as your primary guy. Boom. Uh, Brian Robinson as your short yardage chain, you know, like sprinkle him in when you want to. Goal line, short yardage, what have you. Antonio Gibson is used in a different way, again, as a kick returner and as a wide receiver. And J.D. McKissick. To me, it makes, like, this is the best way to spruce up this offense. Along with, along with, and this is going to be the real question, right? Now, all of a sudden, you see, 
people are uh, worried about, you know, when Carson Wentz is in shotgun, he's primarily passing. When Carson Wentz is getting rid of the football in the short game, in the quick game, well, that's not the best use of Carson Wentz. You didn't bring him in here to be a, a Drew Brees. You brought him in here to be a better version of Jeff George. You know, a guy with a howitzer, a guy with a cannon, right? Certainly a better citizen no, than Jeff George. Yes. But, 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 but when we talk about improving the offense, if you believe that the only way Carson Wentz can thrive and be what you want him to be is, is to sit in there, five-step drop, seven-step drop, and throw, you know, bombs – or throw the intermediate to deep passing game and have that wide open and, and, and available to you instead of quick game, quick game, quick game, just to get the ball out of his hands. The only other way I could see improving the offense is the way I just outlined and then again trying to say, okay, listen, we've got to put Carson Wentz in the situation that he is most comfortable in. And clearly he is most comfortable in Dropping five, seven step drop, whether it's from pistol, gun, or under center, and letting him unload. That's it. And, and if it doesn't work, Pete, then at that point you go, you, you know, you start thinking about the next option. Because even though I'm a big fan of the quick passing game, one of the reasons why I'm wor- I was always worried about Wentz is because I don't know if he's good enough in the quick passing game. Accuracy, timing, delivery location, all of that. What's interesting, too, to me, last week, they had nine different skill people touch the football. Mm-hmm. That's some significant distribution. Yeah. Now, the problem is, your best guy touched it twice. Yeah. Twice. Okay? I don't and care once about, on the first drive. Right. I don't care about nine different guys yeah. getting the ball. I want my best guys right. getting the ball. So, without Dotson this week, you would think 17's production and targets has to, the business has to pick up. Right. But uh, you would also think Tennessee would know that too, right? Yeah, but that doesn't, and would just further... because, dude, how many times you see it? Everybody knows who the great playmakers yeah, are on every team. True. That doesn't mean you can stop them, well, you know? Is, is, is Terry Cooper Cup? Uh, if you don't target him 14 times, he can't be. Maybe Cooper Cup gets targeted 14 times because he's that much better. It's possible, but they're they're being asked to do different things. You don't see Terry utilized in the ways Cup is. What you talked about it this week. They use Cup horizontally. Yeah. They use him in crossing and they use him vertically. That's fair. Okay. We're not seeing Terry. He was used a little bit more in that role. But not Sunday. as but not as much no. as Cooper Cup is. Yeah, that no, that's okay? more than fair. Not as much as Cooper Cup is. More than and if I'm Scott Turner, maybe I have to force the issue. Maybe I have to force the issue to get 17 more involved right now. Because if I get 17 more involved, it's going to make other people better. It's going to get them open. And again, it's not about having nine different skill people. This isn't the transfer portal like college football, where if a kid doesn't play, he's putting his name in the transfer portal. Okay. But I love the way they used Gibson, Williams, and McKissick combined in the run game. 26 carries between those guys. But if you run for 142 yards like Washington did last week, there's got to be a greater payoff in the passing game. Mm -hmm. They didn't get that. That's what they've got to give. 
I mean, everybody says Scott's got to run. He's got to run more. He's got to run more. They ran for 142 yards last week. Mm-hmm. That should have given you a greater payout in the passing game, and it didn't happen. And to me, that has to happen this week against Tennessee. If Scott runs the ball 26 or more times and has that type of success at over five per, then they must demand better production out of Carson and the passing game, or they've got to look to redo some of the concepts that they're using because it's either him or it's the concepts. It's either the passing concepts as a whole, and that includes offensive line blocking, or it's the quarterback because 142 yards should be enough to get your passing game going. Right now, I'm going to pass it to the big fella for what's trending. All right, of course, talking a lot of Commanders Titans this Sunday at 1. Our game day coverage, as always, begins at 9 a.m. this Sunday and all throughout. On your way home from FedEx Field, Doc will be taking your phone calls right here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Yesterday's injury report looked like this. No Sam Cosme or Jahan Dotson, as we were just talking about, and also no Curtis Samuel. Now, he was out with an illness. Hopefully, he'll be back today. David Mayo and Charles Leno were limited. William Jackson and Daniel Wise were full. Uh, again, Milo Eifler was uh, a DMP, and so was Percy Butler, the rookie safety for Tennessee. Traylon Burks, their first-round wide receiver, did not practice. Bud Dupree, one of their best pass rushers, also did not practice. Meanwhile, from the NBA, how about this? Shocker, Draymond Green of the world champion Warriors involved in a fight, but with his teammate, Jordan Poole, who apparently has had a mighty big head about himself, sauces say, to Yahoo Sports, and has been uh, carrying on behind the scenes. And Draymond Green did not like it. Some verbal sparring, uh, then pushing, and then a little punch or two uh, from Draymond towards Jordan Poole. We will see what comes out of that. And Corey Kispert going to be lost for four to six weeks, the Wizards announced, due to an ankle sprain as part of that two-game Japan series when he was stepped on. And that's what's trending. Two three zero zero nine eighty. That's how you get to us. Phones allegedly are working. Let's talk about it. You've heard what we've said. Brian Robinson Jr. on the verge of being back. And what's kind of hidden last week, this team ran for 142 yards. You all have demanded Scott Turner run the ball more. And he did that last week. And the passing game didn't give you the results that it should have. So I, I hope Quite frankly, I hope it makes Scott run the ball 31 times this week. But again, you got to be able to have those results against the Tennessee defense. And we knew, we knew not only from the eye test, but analytically, Chris, that you could run the ball against mm-hmm. Dallas uh, going in. And with a offensive line that is uh, obviously going through a lot of changeover right now, the one thing the analytics back up is their ability to uh, run block so far this year you have to try and establish that again uh, this week. And hopefully, even again, if it's only five to eight carries, hopefully Robinson able, enables you to do that with even more effectiveness. I mean, 
Jonathan Williams, big gain last week. J.D. McKissick had 33 on a carry uh, last week. Those two combined had 13 carries. Gibson had 13 carries. And you had eight different people catch footballs uh, from Carson Wentz. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of good things going on. Ultimately, though, this we'll see how they match up. What kind of attention uh, McLaurin gets without Dotson being out there? Presumably, and, and, and presumably that's not, de- that's not definite, but w- likely. That, I would say it's likely at this point. If you yeah. don't want that hamstring to be an issue sure. for the rest of the season, sure, you give him this week off. Let me ask you, let me ask you this: makes you wonder though if they can. If we talk about targeting Terry Moore. You wonder if it will actually allow them to target him more based on Dotson not being out there on the other side. Well, again, sometimes you have to force that hand. Like, mm-hmm. to your point, right, the Rams can't do anything offensively. I mean, Allen Robinson is frustrated. Uh, their offensive line is beat up. Note boom stinks at left tackle, replacing Andrew Whitworth, the center. They're on their third center. Uh, Stafford's throwing pick sixes. They find a way. And, and again, that's why I asked the question. I mean, Cooper Cup is a freak. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to cut down Terry. I'm trying to say... Cooper Cup is a freak, but there's got to be some happy medium between whatever Cooper Cup is and whatever Terry McLaurin is, right? If we all agree that Terry McLaurin is not as good as Cooper Cup and it's not just the quarterback, because, again, nobody would say Matthew Stafford, while they would say he's better than Carson Wentz, clearly, nobody would say Matthew Stafford is, like, the greatest quarterback of all time. Yet they still get Cooper Cup his touches, they still get him his catches, and they certainly get him his targets. Um but why couldn't – think about this, though, to that point. Why couldn't Terry McLaurin – is it possible Terry McLaurin could put up the same absurd numbers doing the same concepts that Cooper Cup is? Because, as you said, it, at times, Sean even forces right. the ball. It's possible, but but let me ask you this. I, I think Terry's a very good route runner. I think Cooper Cup is – I think in terms of route running right now, my eyes, and I'm not telling you I know everything. The two shiftiest guys in terms of route running, like pure route running, Cooper Cup is one and far and above everyone else, in my opinion. And Hunter Renfro is pretty damn good at it, too, from the Raiders. Now, there are others that are really good route runners, but in terms of shiftiness and the cutting and the turning on a dime, I think when you look at those two players, you know, Cup is clearly better, but but they are almost they are really really hard to go. I don't look at Terry as that kind of route runner. Do you? I think what he did, what he's asked to do, he runs pretty damn good. What he's asked to do, it's not his fault so, so that he's not asked to run. You're saying it's more a design issue, yes. versus one hundred percent. Can he not do I that mean, issue? And let's face it. I mean, how hard is it to run? Horizontally across the line of scrimmage to get up a screen no, I, like Cup I, does. Not, but 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 if, if let's you, be fair, if Cooper you take, Cup. Cooper you, Cup. Let's be fair. Cooper Cup doesn't just run shallow cross after shallow cross no, I, I and run away that. from everybody. I mean, it's like understand that completely. But there is a lot of that though in his game. Let Let's not make it out that yeah. he's being Fred Malitnikoff. <laughs> uh out here. Okay, I mean he, he's not out here doing Jerry Rice. You know, Jerry Rice is still, to me, the most precise route runner I've ever seen in yeah. the history of the National Football League. But Jerry so. ran a lot of crossing routes, right? And and sure. and didn't a lot of slants. I guess when I when I see Cooper Cup and Hunter Renfro is is a knockoff of him, not clearly not as good. I 
I see all this zigzag crap, and and boy, I, I just they wonder. Are really hard. I just to, wonder if Terry McLaurin would be able. To, Terry, I believe, could give you similar production conceptually uh, with the same stuff Sean is asking Cooper Cup to do. That's all I'm saying. And obviously, it's up to Scott Turner to become creative enough. Uh, to do that. We'll get some of your calls, get some of your input here. Also next hour, put a post-mortem on the Nationals. Season is over and the Capitals with an exhibition win last night. But again, perhaps another player getting banged up. Never seen anything like it with this team, man, over the last couple of years. You talk about snake bitten when it comes to getting hurt as we are a less than a week now away from their season opener. Hockey season, get ready to play uh, for three points or two points every night. Uh, and that's what it's all about, playing for real. We get that next week with the Capitals. As Ovi had a goal last night for Washington as well. Darcy Kepner went the route. Details coming up next hour, plus Russell's Dumb Dumb of the Day. Final hour of the show on a Thursday is up next right here on the Team 980 in the Odyssey app.